0: On Stories of the Supernatural. I hope you enjoy the show and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody, it's Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. How is everybody doing today? Good, I hope. Like I was saying in my last show here in South Florida, we're in the rainy season that equates to one thing and one thing only hot and humid. Hot and humid. Yes, yeah, so this is why you see me this shirt on, but underneath I've got a tank top. So when the show is over, I'm just gonna—I gotta hang out in a tank top because yes, even despite having air conditioning, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm a native South Floridian, so you know how that goes, guys. But anyway, today excited is not the word. Super excited! Yay! 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 I have a guest that I am beyond thrilled to have on the show and to speak to him and who i have is bill bean and i'm sure there's a lot of you out there who know bill bean who he is first of all he for those of you who don't he's a world-renowned spiritual warfare and deliverance minister and exorcist and he's also better known as the spiritual warrior he's an internationally known author lecturer and paranormal supernatural expert He's been featured on TLC's A Haunting series, as well as the the Lifetime Movie Network series I Was Possessed. Uh, He's written several books. uh, And one of the things that me and Bill were talking right before we started recording was, and he's going to explain briefly about it, that he's had these experiences which were, as a child, that most people would think, you know, if... I ever had that experience I would never ever have anything to do with evil, the supernatural, anything like that. It's like forget it. And not only does he is he involved in it, he takes it on head on. But anyway, let me get him on. How are you doing today, Bill?
1: I'm doing great, Parleen. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a long time coming.
0: Yes, we kept missing each other, but not because, you know, yeah. it's and it's understandable people don't realize and what we were talking about that Part of your ministry is that you travel to work with people, I guess, that find themselves in situations that I imagine you already know from your own personal experience and also that other families that you dealt with, what are the earmarks of when they have something uh, that's crept into their lives, which is... Yeah.
1: I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's so many people in need, uh, first of all, and... People, there's times, Marlene, that, you know, oftentimes I don't get to bed before 4 a.m., sometimes Mm -hmm. 5 a.m., and I'm constantly answering messages from people, and uh, people contact me from all over the world, so I travel all over America every week, and here lately, it's been uh, two trips at some points, you know, along the way here, and that, boy, I'll tell you, that is uh, a miracle in itself from God, that He helps to rejuvenate me. Making two trips in one week is not an easy thing to do. Um, when you're flying long distances. But anyway, it is a blessing, and I praise God for it. And I I couldn't be where I'm at right now had I not been there. And, you know, for so many years, I was a victim, and I was uh, uh, tortured, Mm -hmm. really tormented and tortured for many, many years, uh, as was my family. My family was destroyed by demonic forces, and I nearly was as well. And uh, my first book is called Dark Force, and it chronicles the events that took place there. And in the... Dark force. I said that it began in 1970, but it really goes much further back. I found out after I'd written the book that uh, that some family members, many, many, many years ago, had actually done some things to conjure up those evil forces, and they came in. and Believe me, if you're if you're uh, if you have intent to invite the devil in, he's going to come, and he's going to kick the door in, and mm-hmm. a bunch of demons are going to come with him. and um, so that's what happened, and I mean, there. So that's that's the origins, and I didn't realize it again until this family member had told me that after I'd written the book, and um, then that... I went back and through some old family photographs that uh, just mind-boggling. I mean, some of the I never knew they existed. My mother had held on to them for many many years, and then after she had tragically died uh, of a cerebral hemorrhage at the age of 44, my sister had gotten those photographs and Mm -hmm. um, my wife and I were over her house one Christmas I I don't know I think it was maybe 2005 or something like that and she asked did I want some of those photos and I said yes and took some home and started going through them and I found some very disturbing things in some of the photographs and obviously my mother knew what was in the photos because she held on to them Mm -hmm. uh, for all of those years but the first known photograph of something supernatural taking place involving me was taken in 1968 at age two and uh, my sister was 11 at the time and it was christmas time uh 68 and she was seated to my left and to her far left was this uh very tall black hooded thing and um i mean it's you could see it very, very clearly in the picture. Wow. And so that is 1968. And then the following year at 69, at the age of three, um, a Polaroid photograph was taken of me. It was supposed to be just me at age three. And in the background, it was as if a dimensional doorway had opened up because uh, these humanoid-looking beings were lined up behind me in single file, different heights, okay. Um The face of what looked to be like a lion was above my head. Um, There was a little gray alien-looking thing standing to my left, and to the left of the gray alien-looking thing was what appeared to be uh, something that would look like a Bigfoot creature, and just all kind of different faces. Again, it was as if some sort of dimensional doorway was open at that precise moment, and all of those entities were there.
0: I'm not kidding you. I'm getting goosebumps as you're describing that. That is incredible. Yeah. And this was, so, And this was before you actually moved into the house that was... Exactly. What were you, okay. So and and my point being that sometimes people think that it's just because you unfortunately moved to the wrong house, but mm-hmm. what do you think? What was it? Was there something in that house once you moved there that amplified it or...
1: Yes. Okay. Absolutely, Marlene. I think that, uh, uh, so again, we had you know, what we had on the family due to the invocation of those individuals. So Mm -hmm. that was already present and manifest. However, I feel that my parents may have actually been guided to that house by these evil forces, because just as God guides us in certain things to where, you know, God wants us in a situation for the -hmm. the good, you know, uh, the devil mimics everything that God does. And uh, so he sees the uh, original copycat, And so he tries to put us in positions of disaster and failure. So I think that uh, really demonic forces uh, actually guided them to that house where evil was already present and manifest. So uh, the whole area, and I'm quite certain to this very day, the area still has uh, this type of evil upon it. I have been back several times over the years as a spiritual warrior deliverance minister on the behalf of other families in that very area who needed my help, and um, so a lot of people were affected. Just not, not my family and I. Uh, I found out again after writing the book and doing all these TV shows and everything. Many people from the area had contacted me saying, you know, that they too had suffered, and and they too had many. Uh, bizarre, unexplained, uh, paranormal, supernatural experiences, you know, when they lived in the area. So, interestingly enough, there is a structure located. Now, the, the house sat at the bottom of a downhill called a sec. Okay. And there was a very large and deep ravine behind the house. Okay. And that stretched for several miles. And two miles south from where the house sat, uh, it is a gigantic boulder-like structure in the middle of the woods. just looks like it was placed there. It doesn't match up with anything else. And it's called the Wishing Rock. And um, uh, according to research that uh, a friend of mine, John B. Romine, did, he had actually written a book about it, and through his research, he said that Native American tribes used to gather there and worship, and uh, also saying that uh, they would have these, uh, I guess, some sort of uh, supernatural experiences there. So perhaps right. the Wishing Rock is a gateway or a vortex right, uh, that's for these thinking. entities to come through. Yeah, and it has greatly affected the area. But furthermore, there was um, one area in particular in that ravine that appeared to, to, to certainly had the look of an Indian burial ground, and it was rumored that it was that. And um, it just stood out from every other thing. It was just a very eerie spot in place. That's
0: for sure. And Bill, I'm going to, and I know what you're saying, but it, it makes you wonder because of course as humans, we think of, of time and the linear aspect. Have you ever wondered if also they were trying, like in other words, they kind of knew where, what your potential was as far as spiritual warfare. And they were trying to head you off at the pass and ty- kind of derail yeah. you from you're fulfilling exactly
1: that. Right. That's a That's exactly what it was. And so I've said this many times that, you know, despite the level of torment and trauma and suffering that took place, I do believe that God allowed some of those things to happen in order for me to to see if I could be who I am right now, to be that spiritual warrior for him. So, yes, uh, there's no question about it that those things, um, those things had to happen, and, and When we think about this also, if we read in the book of Job, um, that the devil in that book, and I still believe that he is, uh, subservient to God in the sense that he checked in with him there. He says, you know, he comes in and God says to him, where have you been? He says, I've been roaming the earth to and fro, uh, just roaming up and down the dry places. And so that shows us, that he is still subservient to God, and the, the reason that God doesn't totally destroy him is because he serves a purpose, and the purpose is because we have free will, exactly. therefore uh there must be an adversary to man in order to have this type of free will
0: right exactly, and that's and that's I guess where I was going with this. You have free will, you could have just as easily what we talked about earlier because of these ex- childhood experiences you might you would have said. Uh, forget it. I, I never want to think about that. I never want to have to deal anything with demons, devils, Satan. Forget it. You know, I I'm done with that. You could have gone that. You could have you uh, made that choice.
1: I uh, certainly was thinking it. I, I was thinking it believe me, Marlene, and I was sort of like uh the Jonah swallowed up by the whale <laughs> in the sense that um God put it so strongly on my spirit that I couldn't uh I couldn't tune him out anymore. You know, I tried to ignore it. I just was absolutely, I'm a very stubborn individual. And, uh, you know, it takes the wall to follow on me for me to, to, you know, move on something or to go along with something. And at that time, I just, you know, had my mind made up that there was no way that I was, first of all, I didn't feel worthy. I thought, God must be mm-hmm. mistaken How in the world. Why would he call somebody like me? You know, because I had to, uh, right. through all that, and torment and suffering, uh, with my mother dying so young, I had to uh, quit school in the eighth grade. And I lied about my age. I was age about I to ask to you, how old so, were
0: you, Bill, when your mom passed?
1: Yeah, it was just about ready. I think I was just about ready to turn fifteen, and I that's lied such about a, my that's age. A, I, that is
0: such a crucial age, my God. That's,
1: that's yeah. And I I went to work for a construction company, and uh believe you me, I was a skinny, malnourished kid, and. uh we had it rough, and I was suddenly, you know, working with men—seriously tough guys—and and that made me a tough guy, having to be in that type of environment. And uh, it was um, it was brutal because I, yeah. you know, again, and being a skinny young kid, I was carrying around ninety. Pound buckets of mud, you know, one in each hand, and then having to hump uh, this heavy drywall, five eighths sheets of drywall, and things of that nature. So uh, it wasn't fun back then. But again, looking back on it, I'm grateful for it because it really did shape me. Because I feel that we all must be strong in mind, body, and spirit. So Mm -hmm. again, it was part of the process in order for me to be who I am and to be where I am right now. So I'm grateful to God for it.
0: Right. It makes you and what, let's say you moved on, at what point did you realize that what your purpose was was to confront evil, to do battle with it?
1: Yeah, after the very first time, you know, and I finally, and what happened was, again, it held me back for many years because I thought that it was intellectually inadequate so therefore I could never be anything of substance or positive, I could never make a positive difference in anyone's life because of the hand that I was dealt. And I, you Mm -hmm. know, furthermore had a mindset that I thought that, uh, you know, I'll cause some miseries for others that's am so miserable, you know, and and that's a horrible way to be. And I was just so empty and sad that i wanted uh, i was seeking death i really was i lived my Mm -hmm. life on the edge for a long long time right and then i one day i had an epiphany that i was sick and tired of being sick and tired i knew that it could do (laughs) better it could be better and so that was it to where i started to study and i spent years in serious biblical studies and studied ancient history ancient religion you name it i mean i studied it because god says my people were destroyed for lack of knowledge and so i you know my mind to this day is still a sponge. I try to study everything that I can. Knowledge is power. And so the more that I studied, the more confidence I had and the more empowered that I became. And in the beginning, you know, people would kind of have been contacted from all over the world by people. And, you know, when I'm home, when I'm not traveling, I do international Skype and phone sessions with people. I've helped people in 40 different countries by the power of God working through me. But um, I finally felt that I was ready to answer that call from God. And after the first time, you know, the first family that I went helped, I knew mm-hmm. right then and there that this was my purpose in life, and I never looked back. I knew that, you know, right. this is what I was supposed to be doing. And its it hasn't been, you know, a smooth journey, that's for sure. I mean, I've been in some life-threatening situations right. and, over and, the
0: years. And that's why I, I asked you, because I was thinking, did he go into into a case or into, let's say, intervention with a family knowing, or was he kind of ambushed like, I'm helping this family. I'm just thinking maybe they're going through some type of crisis, you know, family stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out, like, guess what? Yeah, you, know, you know, I wonder if, I and that's it why it I was wondering like if that, that happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And, you know, then you've got regular, you know, actual physical confrontation then. And um I'm thankful that God blessed me with the abilities and the skills to be able to defend myself very well. But that said, I have skills and abilities to also be able to contain people without having to injure them. And that's, okay. you know, where that comes into where, where um, even though someone is actually trying to attack me and I've been... You know, there are many times in situations I have these tactics that I can use to not have to hurt them, but to Mm -hmm. be able to contain them to keep them from hurting me. And, you know, I've had people, uh, you name it, I mean, you know, my goodness, we'd be here all night if I would list some of the things and situations that I've been in. But trust me when I tell you that um, I have been in situations that some people would absolutely run from.
0: I believe it. And... But, and, and, you know, I've spoken about on some of my other shows, Bill, and I wanted to get your insight on it. I, you know, I tell somebody, you know, because nowadays everybody, like there's everything, you know, all these paranormal shows, everything's the demon and everybody thinks it's myself. You really don't understand. And, or they see the Hollywood version where, um, you know, something happens and then 72 hours later, you know, you've got flying furniture. And I tell sometimes, first of all, that's not the last thing you want, but, to me, you know, the aim of evil is to corrupt a human being. And sometimes yeah. it's done in slow measures because that's how you truly, deeply corrupt a human being.
1: Uh, very subtle, very covert. That's exactly right. You
0: know, stuff starts flying around your house, one or two things. You're going to run out and move or, you know, it's like, call the priest Quicker, or call somebody. You know, in other words, it doesn't want to let on that it's there kind of trying to have your life unravel. Uh, until it's too late, in other words, and
1: yeah, and, then, and when a person gets to that point, you know, they're just so beaten down mentally, spiritually, right. and physically that uh, they they lose the will to fight, and that's a dangerous place to be because that's how demonic possession can take place is when a person is worn down to the point where they just give up.
0: And which is, I was going to ask you, were these families that you've gone and seen, or these cases? And I'm sure at some point you start talking to them about, you know, what led up to this. Do you have circumstances like that where something has been going on sometimes for years?
1: Yes, and I, you know, some of these cases, and I'd say probably a good portion of these cases uh, have one common threat, mm-hmm. and that is child molestation. Yes. And um, it's so awful, it's so sad, it's so despicable. Yes. Uh, it is, in my opinion, the most wicked and heinous act that could take place. Yes. And so not only... When the perpetrator, who was obviously demon filled and guided to carry mm-hmm. out such a wicked and heinous act, yes. uh, not only you know is he demon filled, but when this act takes place, mm-hmm. then these demons come onto the victim and they stay with the victim. And the reason for that is when people are exposed to high levels of trauma, yes, uh, the pineal gland and the adrenal glands, these excretions come out. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of this, I'm sure you have, that uh this is the most powerful drug on the black market. It's called adrenochrome. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and so demons are drawn to this like candy. And this is why they will stay, you know, with the victim when this takes place, And it is just so sad, so tragic. And I have dealt with people who carried this around with them for many years. And, uh, you would look into their eyes and I would just look and say, wow, there's no life in that person's eyes. They just, Mm -hmm. they're really at the edge. But then You know, in in instances where God has worked through me to deliver the person from all of that, it's the greatest feeling in the world to see life come back into that person's eyes. And then it's even greater to hear about and know that they are moving forward to where they're actually free, and they can move forward and have a quality of life. And, you know, I tell people all the time, yesterday is dead yesterday is gone. Yesterday is not coming back. So we have to focus on today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day, because life is all about moving forward. And when a person is under that kind of oppression, Mm -hmm. they might as well be in shackles and chains because they cannot move forward. They are just totally stuck. And that's, you know, and we also, we as human beings, we operate on frequency and vibration. So if our Mm frequency and vibration is high, then that means life is good, and we're in the positive, and we are moving forward, and praise God. But uh, if a person is on that low frequency and low vibration, then life is a challenge, to say the least, and nothing ever goes right. There's always a situation and a drama and never an answer. And I've been there, and it's a harmful way to live. And so I'm every bit as much a counselor, per se, as I am Mm. a spiritual warrior, because I have to sit down with these people first. You know, the first thing I do is I, when I arrive, I bless the property, and then um, I'll go in and anoint everybody's heads uh, with a holy mixture. And then uh, I'll say several prayers, including a house blessing prayer right at the front door, and then we sit down, and we have to talk. And sometimes those talks can range from two hours— up to seven hours. I've sat there with some people for over seven straight hours, and just unbelievable. I mean, you wouldn't believe it if I told you some of the things that uh, you know some of these poor victims have been uh, involved in and, and have uh, had done to them at just horrific beyond imagination. And again, I thank God and praise God for having me to be in the position Mm -hmm. as an agent for him that he can work for me to actually help these people
0: let me ask something bill and like you said like that childhood and and i understand that very well as far as whether it's a one-time or systematic abuse do you Mm -hmm. find especially when you're talking already to an adult like you said sometimes that sometimes they repeat that pattern of abuse with other relationships they have later on in life what almost like compounding it like
1: you're absolutely it, right, and it does go that way sometimes. And so we as human beings, we're creatures of habit, so we will stay in situations that, you know, we know are not good and right, but we'll stay in it because it's a familiar place. right? And so a lot of people right. do that knowing full well that it's not good for them, and they're mm-hmm. just afraid to take that leap of faith. They're afraid to take that gigantic... And I, you know, that's another thing I preach to people is that, you know, if we're in total faith and if we're really in that what I call warrior mode, which is faith, strength, and courage, we're truly mm-hmm. walking in that, then we must move forward into the uncharted territory, into the unseen, because that is true faith, and God will be there, and God will lead us to and through whatever it may be, and great favor and blessing will come as a result of that.
0: And I, I'm and, and you make a very good point. Some people, despite being or living under horrific circumstances, whatever they might be or their families at this point, sometimes this is what they know. This is their comfort zone yeah. as as uncomfortable as it might appear. Can you imagine if, if what we were talking about earlier, how sometimes people use, let's say certain things that happened to them in childhood, or this is what they know, and I know for human beings, in different things it doesn't even have to be monumental we kind of are resistant to change or moving forward like you said so uh, um it's so
1: sad because you know especially when a person has suffered in that way and and suffered a a consistent um pattern of abuse you know over many years hey after a while you get so beat down that you become zombie-like and then you take it in stride and then you have the mindset that you expect it to happen because then that right. becomes normal,
0: yes, yes,
1: how sad is that
0: yes and and I know um the, the what happens bill once once you go ahead and you work with either an individual or a family because i really I can't see where you know, even if there's let's say a target person, let's say in the family, you know, um, do you ever have where? if that's the target person, all of a sudden it will start trying to pick on another family member just to like Absolutely. basically throw them family into an uproar. Like what's yeah. happening now?
1: And that is the mission of the devil and his minions anyway, to kill Rob and destroy. So it'll start out with, you know, working on a post uh, person who may be in a weakened emotional state. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so then, uh, the attack begins. And so the, uh, It's bully tactics, the devil uses bully tactics, and then it's divided conquer. So, you know, once the initial wave comes of these supernatural occurrences, which creates fear, a confusion in the person, then the attack starts to isolate that person and to really start uh, an all-out attack on the mind and to get the person in this chaotic situation to where now, you know the person uh, is having problems with the family members or no communication or just staying right. in a bedroom or you know and and then I call it a spiritual virus because the net starts to carry throughout the family yes. and and then the whole family's in an uproar and everybody's standing there with their hands up saying how What? Ha- what happened here how did it go right. so wrong so fast and that's what the devil does he's very covert and these little subtle things you know take place in the beginning and then all of a sudden you know, it turns into something very, very major and very serious.
0: And let me ask you, Bill, have you, I'm sure, I imagine you have to, have have you ever come across a person that at some point voluntarily allowed or invited in a demon? And then later on they're sorry, but it wasn't like a takeover, I guess is my my point, Mm -hmm. where at one point they did it voluntarily and now they're in a situation where, of course, their life is, possibly horrible, their families. Do you handle that differently from somebody that was maybe victimized and then it took off from there?
1: Yeah, I could think of many of those cases right off the top of my head. And one of my early cases involved a young man in Delaware that uh, was actually had become demonically possessed. He he was sexually abused as a child Mm -hmm. uh, repeatedly and was very angry. He felt that God had betrayed him and left him and abandoned him and so that caused him to uh, go into Satanism and he was in this satanic kind of cult and he uh, he had the daggers he had just things that I mean he had the whole works as far as seeing you know if you were to see someone who was heavily involved into Satanism and making sacrifices and things of that nature he had all of that and um, so the deeper he got involved and he was making sacrifices of animals and things of that nature, uh, the more taken over he had become wow. to the point where he started attacking family members. And when a person's under demonic possession, they don't remember anything. It's like their mind is unplugged and mm-hmm. this external force is plugged in. And um, so this young man, that was quite a battle. I'll never forget it. And again, this was among my first cases uh, you know, many years ago, and uh, God worked through me to free him. But it was a titanic struggle, that's for sure,
0: because yeah, I imagine that some point um yeah I, I I totally I see where you were coming from that that he was thinking, why didn't God rescue me when this horrible things yeah. were happening to me uh mm-hmm. and as a child, you know, sometimes it's very basic, and you hold on to that anger, especially if you didn't have an adult or the adults that were yeah. supposed to keep you know keep you safe were the ones that were victimizing you so yeah
1: exactly and And, and so there was a lot of anger and uh rage you know associated with that and and yet you know where he thought he was going to find a partnership with the devil per se Mm -hmm. uh that really greatly backfired on him to where he was now in a position of you know had i not gotten there when i did Mm -hmm. uh, a tragedy probably would have occurred and so, you know, I praise God that that wasn't the case. And as this was going back and forth, he did not want to renounce Satan and what he was doing. So this was part of the Titanic struggle back and forth mm-hmm. until the power of God, you know, wore the devil and his minions down to the point, and him as well, to where he finally uh, said that he did want to come back to God and accept Jesus Christ as his Savior. And, and so then, uh, once that took place, you could literally feel this letting go. And it, it I know it sounds crazy but you'd have to see it to believe it. These demonic forces let people go and they just slump. And right. once that happens and they start to cry and then it's over with. And uh so after it was all over I went around with him in his room and other places and we collected all of the satanic paraphernalia, all the daggers and all the things that he was you know, that he had there mm-hmm. and we got rid of all of it.
0: And so in other words, what you're relating is that even for somebody who is voluntarily, uh, basically integrated, uh, being possessed, because that's ultimately what it is, uh, there's still there's still a, there's a you can still turn back from that. In other words, it doesn't mean like okay, well you yeah. you know you brought that on by yourself, so too bad.
1: <laughs> you and know. Even if a person literally sells their soul, and I have been in those situations as well. Um, they could still be delivered and redeemed from that as well because the devil is a counterfeit. He is a liar and he he's offering this so called uh, contract for your soul. But um, God doesn't hold any validity to that. And so these people who have, and uh, again, I've, God's worked through me to help many of these types of people as well that literally have sold their souls, um, they were redeemed and they were saved and they were delivered. And then they went on to lead very good and productive lives because they were free from it. So um, it's never too late. The only time that it becomes too late is if a person just does not want to stop doing great wickedness. They And there are people out there like that. Oh, and yes. They're part of the satanic seed line. And those yes. types of people are incorrigible. Yes. They enjoy doing what they're doing. They enjoy creating miseries for others. Mm-hmm. That is their life's mission. Yes, And so they're not going to change. And furthermore, they're going to just continue to create, uh, create miseries for as many people as they possibly can yes. because those demons are working through them to do so.
0: Yes. And and I've spoken, you know, these are what, because, you know, when people say the word sadist, you know, you always think of like serial killer sadist, which those are very bad. But I tell people mm-hmm. there are people that are sadists. They don't go around killing anybody, but they get great pleasure out of what you just described, controlling yeah. seeing people unhappy bullying them uh you know threatening them uh you know all those things there's they're sadists the uh they can make you fear that's that's yes. and there's a lot of them running around sometimes
1: it's a source of fulfillment to them yes. and great power to them yes and it's all a lie i mean they're they're under this delusion that uh you know that they have this power they don't have anything and their day is going to come a great terrible day is going to come now look we're all going to stand accountable for the things that Mm -hmm. we've done and I am by no means a saint I don't claim to be but I try to do the best that I can do and I try to be the best that I can be each and every day of my life we're all going to stand accountable and give an account of what we have done on this earth but those types of people woe to them because a great terrible day is coming and a purging is coming and woe I would not want to be them for one second
0: right and 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 a lot of times You know, us as human beings, when somebody does something bad to us, whether it's a parent, a boss, uh, uh, sometimes friends that betray us, you know, we all want that that moment of justice. Like, I want to see you get it. But Mm -hmm. sometimes that moment comes and goes and or you might even see that person move on like unpunished, I guess is my point. But from Mm -hmm. what you're describing, sooner or later, um, that does catch up to them at some point or other
1: even if you're not no there to witness it. About it. No question about it. And, you know, even people like that that do wrong to you, and this is why Jesus, and I write about this in my new book called The Connection, uh, you know, Jesus, one of his strongest messages was about forgiveness. And the reason for forgiveness is uh, it's every bit as much for us as it is for the person that we're forgiving. And it doesn't mean that you know, and, and it's easier said than done. Believe me, I, I know this from personal experience. It's easier said than done. However, Jesus want, wanted us to forgive because when we hold on to that kind of hatred and anger, uh, that person has power over us and it becomes a spiritual poisoning to us. So yes. that was a large part of his message that, you know, forgiven, you'll be forgiven. And doesn't mean you have to go, you know, and, and be back in the circle with that person or, mm-hmm. you know, act phony and be buddy-buddy or whatever it is, but you have forgiven them, and then uh, you just release them and let them go their way, and that's it.
0: And you know what? It's really funny because in the last couple of weeks, there's a route that I take to, um, to go see one of my sons, and there's a mm-hmm. church, and you know how they have those boards where they'll put up different sayings? And the last yeah. one they have, it says, forgive your enemies. It'll really mess with their heads. And every time I see yeah, it's it, true. I have to it, laugh.
1: It's true. Because, because to you me. know, someone like me, I like to be in control of myself, of my thoughts. I don't want somebody, uh, you know, dominating my um, thoughts or my actions because I'm holding uh a hatred towards them or whatever it may be and i've been through all that believe me i hated my dad for many many years and next time i come back we'll have to get into that part i'll share that with you but thank god i was able to forgive him before his untimely death Um, but uh, i understand what that's all about and how uh just a burning hatred can really get and the devil loves it you know when we get into that type of uh area where we have these just searing Burning hatreds for yes. someone, the devil's loving every second of it. Yeah. So, uh, again, for anyone out there that would like to get a copy of my books, uh, Dark Force, or mm-hmm. I've written four books, and, and so Dark Force delivers the second one. Ten Steps is a free audio book now. I, okay. you know, wanted to do something uh, for people. and still the same thing with this book. I can't tell you how many times and how many shows I've been on that I've said that if you can't afford to buy my book or books, just send me an email. I'll send you a free PDF copy because it's important that people uh, read this information because, uh, A, it's true, and, B, this is preparation. This is how you can prepare in real warfare, in real battle, and each and every one of us are in spiritual warfare on a daily basis. You know, most people don't realize that, but we truly are. So I'm thankful to God that He blessed me um, with a little window to be able to have written The Connection, which uh, I had written it in under three weeks. And that little window took place
0: wow. uh,
1: between mid-January and mid-February. And, and God really put it on me that he wanted me to write this book. And I sat down, I, o- I obeyed the the uh, what I felt was an urging from God to do this. And I mean, there were days Now, usually when I write, I'll spend like two to four hours a day each every day until the project's over. But on this one, I spent some days that were 16 hours a day sitting in front of that green to where my eyes felt like they were swelling up. They hurt so bad, you know, I could hardly see anymore. But it was that urgent to get the work done, to get the book done, and to get it out there. And I'm thankful to God because all of the reviews have been, you know, just fantastic. And I yes. thank everybody out there who has read the book and, and others who will get it. I, I truly appreciate it. And it's great to be able to sell books. But look, uh, this is important information. So right. again, if there's people out there who can't afford it, then just send me an email and I'll send you a free PDF copy.
0: And you know what? When when you come back, Bill, which I'm hoping to have you know one of the things that I would love to talk to you about on the on another show would be what you described, as far as uh, family history or lineage affecting mm-hmm. present day, uh, whether it was a, a vow taken voluntarily or that in other words that it affects the bloodline, not just the person yes. who originally exactly right. did whatever.
1: You. And this is why in my deliverances. You know, I will mention that uh, by the mighty power of Yahweh and His mighty and holy name in Jesus' name, I bind and rebuke all family bloodline curses. Mm -hmm. And so it's very important to, you know, be thorough and mention all these things because you're exactly right that uh, that bloodline curse can be devastating.
0: Right. And in your case, you mentioned you found things, but there's people that don't have family members to them or if they were ever in an adoption where they don't have Mm -hmm. any way to go back into their family history. To find out, but I would love to talk to you. But anyway, Bill, thank you so very, very much for uh, it. Was,
1: it has been it was wonderful. it great. Be on. Yeah, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be on with you. I look forward to the next time. We'll Absolutely. We'll set it up soon here. And um, I'm actually going to go rest a little bit. I know, and thank I know. you to everybody out there. And God bless you, Marlene. And God bless everybody out there. And look forward to the next time.
0: Thank you. Take care, Bill. God bless you. Likewise. God bless you. Bye-bye. Okay, guys. Oh, are you guys excited? I know I'm excited. Let me tell you. I, I know I say this about a lot of people, but I could have talked to him a lot more. But you know what? He was so sweet about taking this time out to do this interview because he's. it's true. We had already rescheduled it once. I ran behind another show earlier today. It was like I was like oh, I can't believe I'm gonna miss out on this again. And you know what? Um, he does. He is busy. He, he and I. I imagine maybe there's times where over the phone is not gonna do it. You know he has to go in person. I. And I know uh, anybody who's flown. Uh, you know, not that I fly that that much, but let me tell you something if you're talking changes in time zone and just to flying and you know since most modern planes are so spacious uh by the time you know you get off the flight it's true what you want to do is you want to lie down and just rest and wiggle your toes and watch tv and veg out um besides the fact that you're doing battle with the devil i mean <laughs> but anyway i think um with more time i would love to if if you know i i know Bill would not break confidentiality, but you know to listen to some of the stories of some of the cases that he's had, uh, also what we were talking about um, family lineage, vows taken by some of your ancestors, whether they did it knowingly or whether they did it unknowingly, whether they were aware that they were not make that, that, that they were making the vow not only for themselves, but for their bloodline as in their children and their children's children okay without especially if these people are long dead there's no way to ever find out uh but you know i have spoken to different people um about this subject and you know nobody leaves perfect lives but sometimes you will see a family that they're very tragic and or really horrific things happen almost to every generation that you go, wow. Or they suffer from problems with addiction or very pro- very dysfunctional stuff and they kind of try to hold on to each other but th- you could tell one generation after the other there's something and you think, you know, you could point the finger and say, well, it's the addiction that's that's causing all these problems maybe with the parenting or the kids or Or domestic violence, or like he said, absolutely. And you know, guys, I've talked about this before where, you know, childhood abuse and trauma will open you up with an attachment, but that's something else. But getting back to the thing about um, the family lineage, and sometimes on the face of it, it looks very obvious that the dysfunction or what's going on, whatever it is, is what's causing the problems. But if you could take, like, a bird's eye view of, let's say, a timeline of this family, And you're thinking, wow, man, things are always not good for these people. I mean, their lives are just either bad or worse. And a lot of times, you know, when you go back, you find out that at some point there was something along those lines that happened. Okay? Um, let's say, for example, and sometimes what he described about this young man who had been sexually abused and who was very angry with God because God did not rescue him. Without knowing the specifics, maybe the person that was victimizing him or abusing him was maybe a parent or a caretaker, somebody that should have been the one to protect them. That's a very deep level of anger especially if this was systematic abuse which means it wasn't a one-time thing sometimes children endure abuse for years talk you want to talk about deep-seated rage deep-seated hatred deep-seated uh revolt against god because who else is this my parent is the one that's doing this to me or the person who else in my is left for me that was like in other words short of a divine intervention i'm not going to get saved and you didn't come through for me Let's say let's use the example Bill gave. this kid, of course, rage, hatred, gets into Satanism. <clears throat> let's say he would never have crossed paths with Bill for whatever reason. His family never called them in, whatever, and he just went along his merry way of destruction. He gets together with somebody kind of a family maybe he has a child hopefully doesn't sacrifice him or give him up but if you don't think that that stain of evil and i know i'm being very dramatic here but there's that's the other one doesn't affect let's say not only who he has children with but children that he has with that person and let's say for example let's say he gets together with somebody a girl she gets pregnant they part ways maybe when she's pregnant or shortly thereafter he's never really in, in the child's life regardless that child is going to suffer from the vows or the commitment or what he was into that animal sacrifice and all of that all of that in other words they don't even have to be in proximity Uh, as far as upbringing okay and then you you know that's when somebody like Bill Bean comes in and and that's what I like it's like there's no way I'm gonna be able to verify this but knowing what I know based on my experience I'm going to address it as in revoking any vows made by somebody in the past from that family Whether they did it on purpose or they didn't do it on purpose. He just addresses it because he knows there's a good chance that that is lurking somewhere in the background. And it's the way I look at it is, yes, we all have free will. Regardless, regardless of our history, family history, whatever, we all have our free will. We all have the free will to say, this is what I want my story to be. However, when you have that in your background, whether it's trauma in your lifetime as a child or later on, or especially when you have that uh, family lineage on a metaphysical plane, if you want to look at it. And what I mean a metaphysical plane is this person, you've never, that that maybe that person that did it, died maybe 50, 60, 100 years ago but their ill effects is you, it's, it's the whisper in the ear. You know, when you when you know when you're going to do something, maybe it's a split second to do something stupid or wrong or dangerous or suicidal, that is the whisper in the ear that puts you over the edge to do something that later on snowballs into horrible results. Whether it's death, imprisonment, addiction, domestic violence, violence against your family members, you being the victimizer and being instead of being the bun being victimized, which by the way, that is very that 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 does very appropriate. Many times victimizers were victimized. Okay. That lineage, that thing is that whisper that and here we go, let let it snowball into other generations. Let it cause havoc and unhappiness and misery with anybody in the orbit of that person. And by this, I mean it doesn't even, if you think it's just family contained, if you know, coworkers, friends, neighbors, the more misery, the better it is. But when we're talking about family lineage, yes, that's, that's sometimes how it works. It's that split second when you're gonna make a decision And you might even have that part of you that's saying, don't do that or don't say that or don't go there. What I call the higher self, the part of you which recognizes that what you're going to do is being pushed forward by somebody that's not you, okay? Somebody that... um, and I know this is very, you know, you know, that prototypical that you've got the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. and That's your conscience. And, you know, I tell everybody, feeling tempted to do something wrong, that comes with being a human being. Okay? It's what you do. Temptation is like, okay, so you're tempted and you make a decision. I'm talking about here about doing stuff that's like totally self-destructive in one way or the other. And some people, I've, I've spoken and I'm sure you've, that people that do things that from, and they're like, part of them is, the, the later on I goes, I, I didn't want to do that. I really, I, I don't know why I did it. I didn't want to do that. But it was like, well, that's, that's part of what plays into those split second decisions that sometimes makes a difference in your life. Either devastates it totally, devastates those that are your family members, versus saying you know what let's step back from this Maybe all you need is a little push there you go yes you all make mistakes some mistakes are really they're just mistakes that's that's the human condition but when you're talking about somebody who mistakes are monumental or dangerous yeah that's usually the way it works out well anyway guys i hope you like this show I know I love speaking to Bill um, because he comes from a place of. And we were talking about this before we started to record. I said, you know what? I, I really wish we could talk about that. You know, a lot of people have seen the show that details what happened to you when you were a child and all the paranormal occurrences that occurred in your home and, you know, what you witness as a child and i said you know what a lot of people after having survived that <laughs> there's no other way for, word for it survived that would have nothing whatsoever to do with the supernatural the paranormal much less demons the devil satanism it's like forget it you know i don't want anything and he didn't he confronted it okay he confronted it head on and i think that that's very admirable because also we said despite having what he later found out was a family history despite having endured the loss of his mom at a very crucial age which is devastating for any child uh what happened with his dad all these things guess what look where he's at now and but my point being and we also talked about this where a lot of people use circumstances like what happened to him not necessarily have to be paranormal supernatural but some really heavy duty dysfunction in their family that kind of in a way wrecks their childhood or their adolescence as this is the excuse that they always give for like uh you know uh, what what can what do you expect from me you know my childhood was, was crummy so i'm not gonna aspire to any better what no uh it's like your story can be whatever it is and here's your proof right there bill bean so anyway guys again thank you so much for spending this time with me go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com. My true believers tell me about your true stories facebook and on uh twitter uh, and instagram i post not only about new shows live stream i give you a heads up about upcoming shows and things that we're doing Also, uh, I've got like, just like Bill Bean, I've got a lot of super interesting guests that I know you guys are going to love to hear the
1: interview with them. So again, guys, thank you very much for being part of my audience.